This evening's reading two chunks from James chapter 1, which is on 1, 2, 1, 3 of the Red Bibles. So that's page 1, 2, 1, 3. It's James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And now we're continuing from verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is God's word. Thanks, Chris, for reading, and Rachel uh, for praying for us. Do, do keep that open. We're, we're thinking over these couple of weeks, if you were here last week, um, on this topic of guidance, thinking about how, how God guides. And next week, uh, there'll be a time, if we want it, if we want it for kind of questions and answers, we'll see how that works, if we want it. So there's a question box at the back if you want to scribble anything down. I mean, you can ask questions at any time, but we'll have a bit of time uh, next week uh, for that, just so you know. If you're, if you're under 40, as many of you are, I think you're probably um, unaware of the wealth of comfortable, easy listening pleasure that's on Radio 4, I imagine. I imagine you've not, you're not availing yourself of all the wonderful, wonderful things on Radio 4. Desert Island Discs means nothing to you. Um, there we go. There's a desert island. If you don't know the program, the, the kind of setup for Desert Island Discs is, is this. Famous guests are interviewed, and along the way, they share eight bits of music or songs uh, they'd want to keep if, if they were cast away on an imaginary desert island. And then right at the end, before this imaginary being cast away, they're allowed to ask for one thing to help live life there. It's interesting what people ask for. Some of the people on the show, Dawn French, the comedian said she'd want her child's teddy bear. That would make life bearable. Michael Caine, the actor, said a double bed and a pillow, 50% goose down, 50% feather. Simon Cowell of The X Factor said, a mirror. (laughs) Just about make life bearable. Um, What about you? 
What, what, what would you want? Just take a moment, person sitting beside you. If you were cast away on a desert island, something, one thing you could take or one thing you could ask for to make life bearable, take a moment just to, just to chat with somebody sitting beside you. What would you want, what would you want to take? I see, I see quite a bit of laughter with some people. I'll be asking you at the end what you wanted uh, to take with you. Look, we're not, we're not cast away. We're not about to be cast away to a desert island. Oh, I think not anyway. But look, we, are, we are speaking about in these evenings about how we navigate life as a Christian, thinking about this whole topic of guidance, how God guides his people. And sometimes it can feel a little bit like this. But I can only apologize look, for my pictures. Um, I've got the design capabilities of a small child. Um, I spent ages doing that. It's, it's awesome. Thank you very much. But you know this idea of, here's me, I'm trying to get somewhere in life, and I'm trying to make decisions, uh, and I'm a Christian, and I'm asking God. But at best, it, it sometimes feels like he's, he's reluctant to give me any kind of detailed answers. But if you were here last week, we saw that as we, as we began to look at the Bible a bit more about it and ask this question about guidance, you read the Bible and the picture it paints is actually it's more like this. It's saying the God we meet in the Bible is the sovereign covenant shepherd who in Jesus has saved the people for himself and is always guiding them, always guiding them towards the goal he has in mind, his glorious purposes in Christ. In every detail of life, he is guiding his sovereign plan, what he's ordained should happen. He's always guiding. Some might call it God's will of decree. He will accomplish it all, even in unseen ways, uh, by what some might call his, his invisible hand of providence. Um, is that the next slide just going to come up? Thank God's providence. On the top line, he's, he's always guiding in unseen ways, in every detail. Good things, bad things, sunshine, rain, uh, getting the job, not getting the job, always guiding through all of those things. We can't predict that or understand it. But the Bible speaks to us in that way of God's guiding hand of providence. Yet at the same time, God speaks to us in his word, God's will of desire, what we might call God's revealed commands in the Bible. His revealed word, God's God's providence, it just says to us, look, God's will can't be thwarted. Here's the thing, as you read the Bible, not even his people's sin can thwart his plans in the end. That's reassuring, isn't it? If you're a Christian and you're thinking about God guiding you to the end he's getting you, not even the ways you mess up 
will thwart his plans. He will get you there. God's God's providence says his plans can never be thwarted. He's guiding towards that. And his revealed word, though, says God's commands mustn't be disregarded. So the first reassures us God's in control. And the second motivates us, obey God, do what he says. Now, there's, there's mystery there as we think about God's guidance, how those two things relate. But the Bible says that they work together. And one of the places we saw it last week was in this verse from Deuteronomy 29, where Moses, speaking to God's people, said this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. God doesn't tell us everything. He doesn't tell us all the details of his plans. He is working. He doesn't need to. He's sovereign. Uh, but he does tell us some things. He gives us his word, so, and we're to respond to it and obey it. And when you think about this, a God who operates like this, who is so in control of everything, who knows the end from the beginning, and with great power plans every detail and does it, and in covenant love through Christ commits to guiding his people, before you do anything else, before you think about guidance is something I've got to get from God, you need to stand back and think, a God like this, he's beyond me. And we need to bow and worship. We're not in charge. And that's a good thing. God is sovereignly guiding and caring for his people. And this guiding God, we, we find the same ideas here in James. I don't know if you spotted them as, as Chris was reading that for us. In verse 2 of this reading from James, it, He says this as he begins to talk to these Christians who are going through all sorts of ups and downs. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he goes on, explaining things that will work out from even these trials. God's providence, always guiding, even through the ups and downs, hard things that happen. But then down in verse 22, that's why we jump to that second bit where he says, do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You can't predict trials. You don't know when they're going to come, ups and downs, but God is guiding. But God has spoken his word that we're to respond to. So in in terms of guidance, trust his providence. But also heed his revealed words. But I think that still leaves a question. Because there's not, as you read the Bible, there's not specific commands in the Bible about the job I'm to do. And there is no word in the Bible as I opened it saying to me, I was to marry Julia when we got married. There's no direction about gap years, is there? There's not a chapter in the Bible about gap years. That'd be handy these days, isn't it? What gap year should you do? Where should you go? Which part of the world should you visit? Should it be six months of the whole year? And that brings us to what we're thinking about tonight, that the people God guides. What kind of people are we to be like? And a little bit like the setup on that Radio 4 program, that classic program you're all going to go and listen to now, Desert Island Discs. There's something we can ask for. Uh, and actually, as, as we look at this part of the Bible tonight, you see there's, there's something God wants us to ask him. And then there's something God wants to ask us as we think about this topic of guidance. And here's the first thing. Look, the people God guides 
ask him for wisdom. In between these two big ideas about this glorious guiding God, his invisible providence, his invisible hand of providence, and his words in the Bible, with those in mind, how does God normally, how does he normally direct us in the detail of life? Well, we'll think about some other things. We can ask questions about that, but how does he normally direct us in the details of life? Well, that's verse 5. It's reading that Chris read for us. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And look, if this diagram is helpful at all, our our passage is kind of saying to us, look, God's providence is always guiding you. His providential hand is always guiding you. And his spoken word are directing you towards the same end as you respond to his word that is going to push you in the same direction And if you ask, he's promised to give you wisdom that will flow with both of those for the decisions you have to make. Kevin DeYoung, in his his little book on guidance, points out, look, in the Bible, we're, we're never really told to ask God to show us the future or the detailed plans for our lives. Interesting when you stop and think about it. The Bible never really says that to us. It never really says, look, ask God to tell you the details of your future. Um, in that kind of way, the decisions you are to make. But we are told, in no uncertain terms, to cry out for wisdom. We've sung about it tonight as well. Douglas Moo, Bible commentator, writing in this part of the Bible, he says this, Wisdom is the means by which the godly can both discern and carry out the will of God. In other words, wisdom is... Wisdom is the ability to look at life's decisions and begin to say, look, I trust God is always guiding. And that's good to know. And I understand some of his word. And so in light of those two things, I think I see what that means for the decisions I need to make now. And if you really want God's guidance in the decisions of life, a bit like that question in Desert Island is, what's, what's the one thing you want to ask God for? This is what it is. This is the thing to ask for. Not tell me what to do just in the next step, but well, will you give me wisdom? Some things in life, some things in life are, are gifts you're born with, aren't they? You're, you're born with them or they um, develop naturally. Sense of style, sense of humor, kind of things that I've got, those kind of things. <laughs> And it worked, didn't it? Because I got a laugh. That's good, that's good. You should have not laughed there, and that would have, that would have been funny on your part. But some things, they, they kind of develop naturally gifts with music or maths. You, just some people seem to get it, don't they? Almost from the get-go, they're just born with those kind of things. Other gifts you're not born with, you just know you're not born with, they're, they're given to you from outside of yourself. Look, this is a really silly example. But I remember when my mum and dad uh, first gave me a key to our house, I had it on a little string around my neck. It, it, this was, it was a gift. Here's the key to the house. Felt like a, a big deal. I mean, they used to let me into the house. Don't get me wrong. They used to let me into the house before that. Um, I had to ring the bell. But this gift meant I could begin to come and go for myself. It's a wonderful thing. I've got the key. I open the door. I can walk in. I can go back out and come in again. It was... It was a gift that literally opened doors for me. Now you think about what James is saying here. Which category does James think wisdom 
fits into? Is it something that you're just born with naturally? Some of you will have it. Or a gift that's given from outside of yourself. I think it's the latter, isn't it? Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And we're not really born with this kind of wisdom. That makes sense because by ourselves, we don't. We don't really want to go God's way. I was pushing against it. But that's why Jesus has come, dying to save us and, and to change us. So we become people who start saying yes to God. But even with that, we, we don't naturally just become wise in how to live God's way. So we're to ask God and he'll give this gift that will begin to, it'll begin to open doors into the way you live life. And James says, look, when you ask for this, when you ask for this gift, remember a couple of things. He says, look, God gives generously. He says that in verse 5 as well, doesn't he? You know how some words kind of have a couple of meanings or more meanings in it. So if a guy, maybe, I don't know, at your school or your workplace just says to you one day, that rose is absolutely stunning. He might be developing an unusual interest in flowers, I suppose. That rose is just stunning. Or a more usual interest in a girl in your class or your workplace. And if he says to Rose, how about a date? Well, she could be in for some dried fruit pretty soon, couldn't she? Or perhaps a potential romance. Words are like that, aren't they? You you hear a word and you think, what does it mean? The word generous here is a bit like that. It can sort of mean just what we mean by generous, but there's, there's a little more in it. It can mean simply. Strange thing to say. It can mean simply or, or with integrity. Or in a single-minded way. What it's getting at is it's giving in a whole-hearted way. Single-minded intention to give this to you. You can understand why translators would want to use the word generous. It captures some of it. That's how God gives wisdom to people. And then James also says, look, he gives without finding fault. And I think the idea is, look, God's not looking for reasons not to give this to you. I don't know what the past week, the past month has been like for you. Have you been ignoring God? Maybe you've been deliberately doing your own thing. And you know life's got a bit sticky. And you're feeling that, but you... You want to get serious, genuinely live God's wise way again. And if you're anything like me, at times you think, but why would he want to? Why would he want to help me out? I've been ignoring him. I've gone my own way. But this is saying to us, if you want to live God's way, he's not looking to say no. Quite the opposite. No, God has a single-minded commitment towards giving you wisdom. He wants you to live the right way. And look, if all of this is true, what does it mean for us? This is a church family here. As we think about guidance, all the things we've got going on, the decisions we want to make, well, I think it means this very important thing. And it's what we want to get our head around. It's this. God's guidance 
yeah, let, let's say this way. God's guidance is not waiting for specific instructions on every decision you make. No, this seems to say he's wanting to guide you and me to become godly, wise decision makers. Does that make sense? That's the way God's guiding. He's given you his word. By his hand of providence, he's always guiding, and he wants to give you wisdom so you'll become a godly, wise decision maker. Now just pause for a moment and and think about this in a different way. Just, Just think about why we're perhaps often desperate for guidance and why we sometimes struggle making decisions. And see if any of these resonate for you. I was thinking about, I can think of a whole horse for myself, but thinking about these, I, I think one of the reasons we, we struggle making decisions and look for guidance is, be, one of them is because we want to please God. One of the reasons is because we want to please God. Now, um, now that's a good thing. I wanting to please God is a good thing, but if into that thinking comes the idea that God expects me to discover this specific detailed plan for my life, well, then it becomes paralyzing, doesn't it? See, what if I get it wrong? Will I scupper my future? Am I not a good Christian? And it, it potentially leads to people, it can lead us to over-spiritualizing decisions and to justify them in all sorts of strange ways. So imagine a guy, he's perhaps a poor example, imagine a guy thinking about whether he should ask a girl out for a coffee. But is it what God wants? So how can I know? And he flicks open his Bible and he reads, it just marvelously lands in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 and he reads, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's good news. That sounds great. And he thinks, thank you God for your guidance and he goes off confident that this relationship is God's will. And you think, whoa, slow down, Romeo. I mean, don't put that kind of pressure on yourself or her. See, so what if you go for a coffee and you just don't click? Or she says, no. But I thought it was God's will. Uh, well, well, apart from anything else, that verse from Joshua was about Joshua attacking Jericho and not going for a coffee with Rose. But look, think about it in a different way. I think, what does wisdom begin to say? Wisdom begins to say, look, by God's providence, I've, I've met somebody I quite like. So that's encouraging, isn't it? That's okay. And I know God in his word says relationships are a good thing and neither of us are married and, and we're both Christians and Meeting for coffee isn't a sin, and I'd like to get to know her. Well, what would be the wise thing to do? Well, just ask her. She might say no, and that's all right. But she might not. We don't need to uh, over-spiritualize some of these decisions. We make wisdom in a right way. That's a pleasing thing to God. Here's another reason why I think we can struggle with guidance and with, and with making decisions. And I think it's this, because what we really want is a comfortable life. And I kind of think God's guidance is a means to getting that. So some of our requests for guidance comes 
probably with a wrong understanding of where God is guiding us to. If we think all God wants for me and for my family and for my friends is for them to be happy and comfortable, then I'll be, I'll be looking to God to direct me and them to the happy life. God, what's the best gap year for our son's CV? Please, would you guide them to the best university for their future career? Give them a good job so they'll have a secure career. But what does God's word say? What, what does Jesus say? These words from Matthew's gospel, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I guess if you know someone uh, with a year to take before university or maybe a career break or something like that, in God's providence, what a gift. What a gift that is. What does wisdom say? Well, wisdom begins to say, look, what can I do with this time to serve God's kingdom and grow the way he'd like me to? See, for all of us, that's the guidance question to be asking. We talked last week, didn't we, a bit about the the Chesterton Church plant team going. Some people have been guided that way. They've made wise decisions that way to go and be part of that new church initiative. And then maybe you're staying at Christ Church. Are you praying? God, would you guide me how to, to serve here? Well, that's one reason. Here's, here's another reason why I think we can struggle with guidance and decision-making. It's because we're a bit cowardly. When I got engaged, friends sent me a card that said, and it was really mean of them. They were a bit mean of this. They said, good things come to those who wait and wait, and wait, and wait. And they said that because I've been dating Jules for ages and it took far too long to propose. And they knew it. Um, It felt like a big decision. And I think if I'm honest, looking back, I was just a bit of a coward. And instead of wanting to make a mature, wise, godly decision that my friend eventually said to me, you need to make that, I'd have preferred if God had just told me what to do. I'd have loved an email from heaven that said, just do this and everything will work out swimmingly. But it wasn't like that. My prayer for guidance was really a coward's prayer, wanting to avoid responsibility. It wasn't that God wouldn't have given me direction in his word or wise counsel. I just didn't want to make the decision. But God's guiding us not to be cowards, but to become wise decision makers. So the people God guides, well, they ask him for wisdom. And here's the second thing, much more briefly. This will be much briefer. The people God guides, he asks for single-minded commitment. But ask for wisdom. James says, God will give it. It's a great thing, isn't it, to know there's a prayer that God will always answer positively for you. If you ask him for wisdom... He will give it, but there's a condition, verses 6 and 7. Before you think, look, there's always a catch with these things, isn't it? It's not really a catch. It's really just logical. Here's what he says. But when you ask, you must believe, literally ask in faith and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. Doubting and double-mindedness. You know, sometimes doubting, it can mean you're, you're just not sure. And that's not what it means here. 
No, what James is getting at is this whole idea of kind of disputing with yourself. Not coming to a, a settled commitment of what you really want to do. And as he expanded in verse 8 with this idea of being double-minded, it's someone who wants to live two ways at the same time. They sort of want to live God's way, but at the same time, they, they really just want to live their own way. You know that feeling? Are you like that? Asking for God's guidance, but only if it really fits with your plans. I want your guidance, God, but I don't really want to serve in the church family. I, I want your guidance, God, but I don't want to really listen to older, wise Christians in my church family. And that kind of life just can't receive God's wisdom. Not because he won't give it or doesn't want to give it, but because you don't really want to have it. James tells us that God has a single-minded commitment to making you wise. And he wants us to have a single-minded commitment to living for him, guiding us to become godly, wise decision-makers. Now, we're almost, fi almost finished for tonight. But before we do, I think as we think about this whole topic of guidance, we're going to be thinking again next week. I know there's all sorts of other legitimate questions about guidance. What about in the Bible, where God gives dreams or speaks to people in unusual ways, visions and all this kind of stuff? This stuff is, just seems a bit ordinary. Look, those things do happen in the Bible. And we'll, we'll maybe touch on those next week. And we'll have time for questions and answers, so do make use of that. But tonight... I just wanted us to understand guidance in terms of wisdom because the Bible puts a lot of weight on this. I was reading as I do during the, during the week. In the mornings, uh, my eldest son and I, we read a bit of the Bible together and we came to Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and we read these words. And Jesus, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And you think, look, if, if one of the ways God guides is helping us grow in wisdom, then there's no shortcuts to that. There's no easy ways around it. There's no shortcuts if even in his human nature, the Lord Jesus grew in wisdom. That's what we'll have to do too. How does that happen? We'll see some of this next week as well, but we'll think about the way, the way God guides. We'll see how he grows and guides us. And through his word in the Bible and the ordinary means of the church family we're part of. And we'll think about some examples of wise decision-making. Uh, Rachel's going to come back up in a moment to lead us on in a service, but let, let's have a moment of quiet I don't know what you've thought about that, about decisions you've got coming up, how you think about guidance, but the people God guides ask God for wisdom. And he asks us for a single-minded commitment and to live his way. Let's just have a moment to pray, and then Rachel will lead us.